You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week, just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. (laughs) So... uh, (laughs) Uh, people will well people who are if they happen to see the video of this will be able to tell that we are in a different location than our normal um, spot we we are temporarily in the loft in my house and uh, coming to you live <clears throat> coming to you live yeah um, headed toward another destination that we're not ready to disclose as yet yeah who knows Jacob knows but you bastards don't get to know. <laughs> I think you should just get like a, like a van or something and just take this thing mobile. That would be uh, sick. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Ift did that. He has a he has a bus that he converted into a yeah. podcast studio. That'd be dope. Uh, there's one that's really famous that does um, live streaming and recording for musicians. I forgot what it's called, but they'll go to like South by Southwest or something, and like they'll live stream out of there sometimes. Like oh, Wyclef wow. hopped in there and was doing a bunch of music. That's crazy. It looks sick. Yeah, but I bet I'm sure we could do an RV. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, and if we go in person, you don't even need internet on the RV. I just, your guest there. I just saw that they That's opened true. a podcast studio inside Mall of America. Oh. oh, really? Yeah. So if you need to go to Minnesota and, you know, go to the twins, the greater Twin Cities area and uh, you were there. a podcast. I, I think I could have went last year. Yeah, how yeah. cool was that mall? Is it overrated or is it worth a um, trip? If you have kids, it is not overrated okay. because the amusement park in the middle is amazing. If you are just an adult by yourself, it's a little overrated. Yeah, it's kind of still a just, mall. I mean, there's like 500 stores, but it's still a mall. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of stores. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I guess a shopaholic but, maybe. I don't know. I don't really like malls. Um, I liked the way malls used to be. There's almost like nothing to them anymore. And there are there are really no local stores inside malls Yeah, that's anymore. an issue too. The other yeah. issue is I think I'm getting more like introverted and awkward the older I get. And so like... It's considered customer service, but I consider it like bothersome. So like, hey, sir, do you need help? Like, just leave me alone. No. Yeah, I'm gonna look at this shirt by myself. If I look confused, you can come and ask me a question. Yeah, Otherwise, I'll, I'll you find know. you. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna no. suffer in so much silence for particularly like because I'm trying to get in and out. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, and then there's a the famous uh, Parks and Rec scene where Ron Swanson goes into a hardware store, and they go, "Sir, can I help you?" And he goes. I know more than you. <laughs> Just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's me inside the shoe stores. <laughs> Shut up, kid. I know what I want. So we have our good friend Jacob Ross on the line today, and uh, we wanted to talk to him about um, some stuff he just went through, or that maybe went yeah. through him, and uh, <laughs> and, both. and and uh, really just around the question, like, what is it like to you know? as a man in your you know early 30s face down your mortality quite like that and what happened yeah maybe maybe start off buddy and just uh tell everybody kind of uh whatever the 36 hours 48 hours of kind of what went down yeah well i mean i'll um i'll back it up a little further about two and a half weeks before um i was supposed to go to los angeles for the fit expo um barbell brigade had wanted me to come out i've been um out there i think every year for the last four or five years for the fit expo and i woke up one night with some some nerve pain in my left shoulder 
And, you know, everybody's who's lifted for a long time at some point has tweaked your back and sciatica or something. And it felt just like that. It wasn't muscular. It wasn't joint. And I could kind of shift around and it would get better. And I went on and off for two or three weeks. If you look at my Instagram post, you'll see like, oh, I'm dealing with a nerve issue. And, um, you know, true to the name of the podcast, I was about 50%, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, so then that Friday came, um, you know, to fly out to the Fit Expo and flew on the plane. It was terrible, just miserable plane ride. I was in so much pain in my shoulder. Um, and I just said, you know, yeah, it's a nerve thing. I'm on a little, you know, you're cramped in a little seat. You're uncomfortable. You can't really move. You know, it's a four and a half hour flight from Chicago. So it's a long time to be seated if you have something like that going mm-hmm. on. Uh, so I get off the plane. It's like two in the afternoon. I feel terrible. But um, Grant uh, Higa Monster was squatting at Barbell, and I never met him. He knows my wife from when she used to compete, mm-hmm. um, and, and I've respected him for a long time. I mean, he's, he's a great dude. He's, oh, he's a yeah, great guy. He's super strong. Um, I just love what he represents about <laughs> strength. And I said, you know, I want to go live with him. My, my boy Stanley, we had already planned a squat. Um, I've been lifting with um, my buddy Tom Callis down here, and I – working on my squat and wraps. And I was like, you know, you fly out here, you want to do something. So drove to Barbell Brigade, took some pre-workout, just said, let's go for it. <laughs> um, and I mean, I paused squatted 642 in wraps, which was pretty good Is for me, um, a huge PR. Um, and I felt better, surprisingly. I don't know why I felt better, but I did. I said, oh, maybe I pushed, you know, the nerve back into the right place and, uh, then the fit expo happened. So it's like, you're kind of busy, you're on your feet, but I just never felt like myself. Um, I had to go up some stairs to the parking garage and I was super winded, just like, Oh my gosh, what is, you know, am I out of shape? Like, I mean, I'm powerlifting, but I, sh- I normally do some sort of conditioning. Like this is weird for me. So, um, the Monday after the fit expo, uh, Bart had already said, let's film a little bit. You're in town. I'm training for a marathon. Just kind of take me through some in-season leg stuff. It doesn't have to be uh, super specific towards me, just some stuff that would give me some ideas of what to do. And I felt terrible. Uh, I couldn't even lean up, bend over to set up anything. I had to get my my friend Stanley to set everything up for me. And um, if you watch the video, it's on YouTube on Barbell Brigade's channel. If you really watch me, you can see there's a few times where I'm like, like I'm gasping for air. Oh wow! And and I think um, you know all three of us are professionals. So I think there's something mentally was like I came out here to do a job. Like I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think like mentally for me, it's like I wouldn't let myself kind of feel everything until we got done filming. Mm. And we got we got done filming, and um, I said, man, Bart, we were supposed to hang out a little bit, and I said, you know. I can't do it. I got to go see uh, a chiropractor or something like this. Nerve pain is, is literally feel like it's killing me. Like I can't do it. So I went out to my, my rental car and I'm just sitting there, just sitting there in my rental car. My friend aunt had hooked me up with a really good chiropractor, but I couldn't see her for like four hours. So I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. I feel so bad. And Bart comes out of the gym like an hour later and he's like, what are you still doing here? I'm like, "Ah, you know, I don't feel good. I can't really go to this lady early. She's super busy. He was like, well, let me drive you. Like, maybe she can get you in early. And I'm like, no, it's okay. He's like, no, no, let me drive you. Like, I have the day free anyway. Let's do it. So uh, I relent. You know, we get in the car. 
And as we start driving, it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, every bump we would hit would hurt, you know, Bart was trying to be so kind to like speak to me. And I, I just couldn't talk, honestly. Like I just, I really couldn't physically talk longer than maybe a sentence. We get to the chiropractor and thank God. I mean, literally thank you God that she was busy and couldn't see me. Cause I told Bart, um, we gotta go to the hospital. So he takes me to the hospital. Um, you know, man, I just, you know, I already love Bart. I love him even more. Uh, he, he was sprinting around trying to find a wheelchair, like literally sprinting, trying to find a wheelchair for me. Um, every bump we would go over in the wheelchair felt like somebody was stabbing me. The pain was like all through my chest. It was around my throat. I don't know if anyone's ever felt the nerves around their throat. Um, it's a really strange feeling, really strange feeling. Anything you've ever felt before or not really? No, I can't even, I never anything on that level. You know, they always ask you like scale of one to 10, um, you know, what is your pain? Well, like my 10 was redefined. Yeah. During this experience, yeah. I mean, I the pain was I just I can't describe it. And then, I, like I said, I, I really couldn't speak. I was getting to a point where I couldn't breathe very well. And you know, every ER, um, it, there's a lot going on, right? They're trying to sort out: Are you really hurt? You know, is this guy, uh, you know, like a drug addict? Like, is he just saying he's in pain to get some drugs? There's a big sign that says we do not give out opiates. Mm. Um, and I haven't seen that in the Midwest, but I'm assuming that might be a bigger thing in California because the homelessness yeah, issue, yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah. not sure. I'm LA just is just such a big city. Shit probably gets weird. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so, I mean, you know, they, they, to their credit, they really did, I think, work their fastest. But, um, you know, at one point, my eyes were kind of rolling back in my head and Bart was just, you know, hanging there, buddy, hanging there, hanging there. I'm, they're going as fast as they can. I'm, I'm trying. Um they do an x-ray, they do a CT scan, and that's when they finally, I think, started picking up the pace because they looked and said, uh, you have fluid on your heart. And I'm like, what? Like the whole time, you know, Bart and I, like a bunch of overheads have been saying he's got nerve pain. Like this is a nerve issue. Like he needs mm-hmm. some pain to get out of, you know, some medicine to get out of pain, blah, blah, blah. And thankfully, they're professionals <laughs> and not 50% listening to us <laughs> at all. Um and they just said, let us run our tests. And so they do a CT scan. And I didn't see it until I was about to be discharged from the hospital. But, you know, if you've ever seen a CT scan, it's just a 3D kind of rendering of your insides. Mm-hmm. And you could see my heart uh, looked like, you know, someone had taken like a half-filled balloon and just filled it to the max. And it was the fluid around my heart that was, you know, causing that shape. So I had what they call a pericardial effusion. Your pericardium is the lining around your heart. It just kind of serves as a buffer between your heart and your lungs. And normally there's a gap in there. I don't know the, man, the technical side, but the gap is super, super small. I mean, I would have guessed maybe a centimeter. And, you know, mine, just looking at that picture, uh, looked like it was, I don't know, a half inch, maybe Mm -hmm. more. So they rushed me upstairs to ICU. um, And... As soon as I get up to ICU, cardiologist comes in. He's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Put a tube in your chest, and I'm going to pull this fluid off. So it's literally just, you know, sits there, takes the tube. I'm awake during the whole thing. Hurt like I don't even know what. Um, puts a tube in my chest, gets like a turkey baster-looking syringe, just and from just the starts front? sucking it out. Just from, like, what? your pecs? What's that? From like your pecs, or they like go through your throat, or like just... no, no, they go they go right through my ribs, oh. right underneath my right underneath my pec, oh. right through my ribs, uh, push it into you know through that 
uh, lining in my heart. They have an ultrasound machine right next to the bed where he's watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody else is kind of holding it. He's watching as he goes so he doesn't push it into my actual heart. Ooh. And he just starts pulling fluid. And by this point, um, my lungs were collapsing uh. because my heart was so big. So yeah. that's why I couldn't breathe. Um, and my oxygen saturation was really, really low. Um, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was in the high 60s. Oh, that's not um, good at all, dude. Yeah, my blood pressure obviously was really high. Heart rate was high. Um, and that's, again, something I've never had an issue with uh, in my life. I mean, I've always been a 120 over 80, you know, 60 beats per minute kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So um, as soon as he starts pulling that fluid out, I mean, as soon as he pops it, like some fluid kind of squirts out of the tube from the pressure. And then as soon as he starts pulling fluid, it just keeps pulling syringe after syringe after syringe. And I instantly feel better. I mean, I instantly go from eyes in the back of my head. I even when I, I didn't say this, when they transferred me from the ER bed to the ICU bed, I threw up from the pain. Yeah. It hurt so bad, just them setting me down. Um, I, that, that instantly subsided a lot. And um, I finally was able to think, you know, like literally for probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 hours. Like I couldn't think I was in so much pain. I mean, I didn't have enough oxygen going to my head. I, mean, I didn't, my blood wasn't circulating right. Like I really couldn't think. And, um, you know, it just all kind of hit me. Uh, the doctor said I was probably one or two days away from dying. Yeah. Um, I had an ICU nurse say that in his time there, he had never seen someone survive the amount of fluid they pulled off. They pulled off over a liter. So, you know, everybody has a shaker cup or, they see those big smart water bottles. I mean, that's a lot of fluid. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, I really don't know what else to say about it. That's kind of the experience, you know? And you, uh, you had just kind of felt a little bad going into it you know, initially, I, like, the, like we used to two and a half weeks out of, from this experience, you just kind of like had some pain in, in your shoulder and there was nothing more than that. You weren't, you know, was necessarily affecting your sleep or, or your, you know? I mean, I was waking up at night from pain. Mm. Um, some nights, not every night. Mm -hmm. And again, looking back, like a lot of stuff makes sense. Like looking back, like I don't think I felt right. But when it's real gradual and slow, you don't necessarily like attribute it. It's not like a quick change, so it's hard to really perceive it. Yeah. And then... Um, you know, it seemed like every time I would work out, I would feel a little better. So again, that just kind of like pushed into my brain that this is a nerve issue because that's how nerve issues are, right? Like you work out in the right way, the pain subsides. You, you kind of get things mobile and warm and adjusted. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I just, that's looking a little back bit though, uh, you know, I go up the stairs to get my, you know, Alicia and I have a, uh, we have two girls and then we have a newborn son. He was like three weeks old at the time. I'd go upstairs to get something and I would be winded and I'm just like, ah, you know, whatever. I don't know. Maybe I stood up too fast or something. You just don't think that it's something like this. You just don't think it. Yeah. It's like the gift and the curse of being like an athlete your whole life, let alone like powerlifting. Um, cause I've had like kind of conversations like this, uh, like with my mom or something, you know, like having dinner with her one night and she's like, Oh, how are you feeling? I'm like, ah, my back's killing me and whatever. But like, that's like what we're used to. And she's like, Oh, like 
And then she like goes through her mom checklist, like, do you have this and do you have that? And you know, like the the med because it's true. Like to us, like back pain or like a little shoulder pain from benching is so normal. Um, yeah. And even right now, like like what scares me, obviously, but like you're saying, like yeah, I'm waking up in the mi- middle of the night, like, and I'm pretty damn sure mine's just powerlifting. But like I'll wake up in the middle of the night all the time. You know, I'm like shit, my shoulder hurts because I benched yeah. so hard yesterday or whatever, and I'm trying to get back yeah. in shape, and so like the bumps and bruises feel worse, but. Rather than hypothetically, if you do nothing and then you get these pains, you're probably more alerted where we're kind of just used to being bumped and bruised yeah. a lot, a lot. Yeah. My, um, <clears throat> my, my best friend who died years ago now of cancer, his first sign of this cancer was uh, he thought he had a pec strain. Mm-hmm. He, he'd had to do a, um, he was in, in uh, the air garden and he had had to do a PT test and he thought that he'd heard it doing pushups and then he built a um treehouse in the backyard for his kids and he thought um you know i just moved funny i did whatever and then it just didn't go away you know yeah and then and then he's like lost 15 pounds in a month without drying and that then it was clearly something wrong but yeah we just it's hard to know the it's really hard to know the the cues and even my wife is a nurse and has been a nurse for a long long time a few years ago not got pneumonia and like didn't realize how bad it was until we needed to take her to the ER. No. Did they uh, end up coming up with any kind of um, reasoning cause of of any of this mess? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, Obviously like that's something that once I kind of came back to my senses was one of the first things I thought about, like, is this something that, is contagious. Is this something I could have given my children? Honestly, like that was my first thought. Um, they said, you know, we don't know, let's run tests. So the first, after they got the fluid off, um, everybody from then on was like full, you know, hazmat, mask, gloves, suit. Uh, my brother who flew in from Texas just to stay at the hospital with me, you know, for him to be in the room, he had to be in that. And he was just sleeping in the little chair they have in the side over there. And he had to sleep in all that gear for the first day because they ran everything. I mean, they ran, you know, AIDS. Um, they checked for lupus. Uh, they checked for Ebola. Um, I think they tested for Corona. This was like right. They asked me a lot about my travel history. Is right when it was starting to become a thing. Um, and they ran over 40 tests and all of them turned up negative. So I know a lot about what's not wrong with me for sure, <laughs> which, is, which is good, I guess. Um <laughs> But no, I mean, they chalked it up to random virus. They said it's probably a common virus that everyone comes into contact with. And you know how some people get cold and some people don't. They said for you, you got a basically a cold in your pericardium. <laughs> you know, it got inflamed and fluid built up. And, wow. um, you know, since then, I've been a doctor, obviously a ton, cardiologists, echocardiograms, all sorts of tests. And they said 99% chance this is a once in a lifetime thing. You deal with it and you move on and just live your life. And no lasting damage, nothing. Nope. I got cleared last week to start working out again. Um, so I've been lifting and I feel fine. I mean, outside of just, you know, a little like general soreness and, and just being out of shape. But um, I'm easing into it. And yeah, it's just hopefully we'll go down as a strange, strange thing that happened in my life. <laughs> Had to be very stressful for your wife. Yes. I mean, she was a thousand miles away or more. Gosh, no, it's more than that. Um, it's got to be like 2000, 1800 or something. Anyway. And, you know, we have a three week old son. We have two girls and Bart calls her and, Hey, 
don't freak out. Jacob's in the ER. <laughs> um, don't freak out wife, is one of those never, it never yeah. works. That's a phrase that yeah, does not pay. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, and, you know, Alicia is a really, really strong, independent woman. Um, I travel a ton for work, and she takes care of these kids and doesn't miss a beat. Um, never complains or anything. And so I think um, initially she was scared because she just didn't know what's wrong with me. Mm. Once they pulled the fluid off and were confident that, you know, I would quickly, um, you know, get back to a normal state, uh, she kind of calmed down and felt better about it. Um, but I think, you know, what's interesting is everybody who I've spoken to, um, I eventually posted a little bit about on Instagram because I do think it's something that, um, I want to share with people. Obviously, we're talking about it now because the thing that I have to like take away from the whole um, debacle would be just how grateful I am for people. You know, um, I'm grateful to have relationships with people who um, would go through the extent to to like for Bart to literally take me to the hospital, spend all day with me in the ER, all day away from his family, from his business you know, treated me like a brother. I had friends in LA who, as soon as they heard, came straight to the hospital. You know, I have so many friends uh, like you guys who aren't in the immediate vicinity, but have continued to reach out to me and, and just express like how grateful you are that I'm okay. And that just tells me how much everyone cares. And I think sometimes people realize um, what you appreciate about people and you don't realize how grateful you are for people or even how much of an impact you've had on people um, in terms of relation until you go through something like this and you're kind of had this conversation over and over and over with people explaining what happened and how close it really was. And you're forced to think about, well, what if I didn't have these people, you know, what would life look like maybe without me even? And um, it's really humbling. It's, it's really, um, it, it puts you in a different, different space it puts you in a different frame of mind you know now every time somebody asks me how i'm doing i'm like i'm doing great i'm alive <laughs> <laughs> you know um yeah i was not far away from that not happening so it's it's you know i'm still processing it it wasn't that long ago really um but yeah just overall like i said just an attitude of of gratefulness and and i don't want to say i took it for granted because I think if you're 33 and in shape, you shouldn't have to fear for your life from a random event. Yeah. I, I think take it for granted means like you're consciously uh, choosing to ignore kind of the blessings and circumstances around you. Yeah, which it's is easy. That. Which is easy when you're busy and you have kids and your energy's elsewhere with work and whatever and, and kinda like the whatever they call it, you know, invincibility mindset that people talk about yeah, in yeah. your early teens. Like I'm yeah. we're the same age basically, Jacob, and like it's not like it's like death isn't in my mind every day. Like, you know, let's not get too dark and weird, but like I've had a rough year and a half and like some depression and stuff. So like yeah. things creep in your mind sometimes but like you're not like ready to die uh but the invincibility mindset is different than when you're 18 and you think you won't die right but then you're also right. not 78 and know it's kind of here uh or whatever you know it's it's kind of a middle ground and and many people have um dealt with death of loved ones family friends etc uh expectedly or unexpectedly which brings different thoughts into your head um said yeah. you know just my path i've dealt with a lot of un unexpected death um 
which I think is a different mindset than grandpa passing away when he's 85, which I've also dealt with, um, or yeah. emergencies like yours. I was in the ER. Uh, I won't go into too much detail because uh, it's my mom, but we were in the ER earlier this year. And like, sit, like the ER is the worst fucking place on the planet. Like I, I, I don't, I think I've only been there once or twice as the patient, but I've been there multiple times as like the companion uh-huh. and it's the worst it's literally hell on earth like the fear and anxiety it's just a ball of anxiety yeah because you don't know what the fuck's going on with anybody there you don't know what's going on with yourself or your loved one like it's the scariest place on the planet yeah i I, just to get on the um therapist couch for just a second um my dad had a uh an older brother who uh was 30 and he walked out of work one day and had a stroke in the parking lot and died. So yeah. I always thought, I wonder how genetic that is. And like, I, it, it, until I cleared 30, I was thinking about it all the time. That's crazy. I never met the guy. Yeah, but yeah. And he died, you know, several years before I was born. Um, there's a whole conspiracy theory around this thing, too, because he was working in a nuclear lab. But anyway. Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> but. Yeah, and no, I I think I've maybe never been entirely clear of that, and I still ignore shit or yeah, think, ah, you know, this is the thing; it's not a big deal or whatever, you know. Um, but uh, it it does make you it does make you think about like you know w- where you are in your life and and you know what you've accomplished and what you still want to accomplish, and and it it just mortality. It sucks. I have no other way to say it. It sucks. Yeah. It, it, I'd also say like it raises or it kind of makes you a sponge for um, for life's kind of like little moments. Mm. You know, like as soon as I got back to my kids, I mean, I cried for probably five minutes um, just seeing their little faces and how happy they were to see me and like stuff like that. Again, I don't want to say take it for granted because you, you, you should be in a space I mean, we're blessed at least to live in a space, most of us, where you're in your, you know, midlife, you're, you're a younger adult, it's okay to get up and feel good and not think about, am I going to die today? Right. You know, there's, there's parts of the world where, you know, war, conflict, whatever, um, that's even if you're, if you're young, that is reality. And, and it shouldn't be. So I don't want to say I took it for granted, but it just makes you appreciate it more. Like you become a sponge for those moments. Um, you know, even like this podcast for me, um, like I'm really trying to soak it up because I, I love you guys so much and I just enjoy speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, e- even if this never aired, like just having an hour to sit down and talk with both of you guys is awesome for me because yeah. we don't get to do it enough. You know? Yeah, that's yeah, kind of why we started podcast. Yeah, the topic you're talking mm-hmm. about of like um, taking for granted or not is just so interesting to me, too, because uh, one of my like double-edged swords of being a human that I am is like not um, giving myself pat on the back and not enjoying small victories or big victories really Mm. but the you know good thing to that is that I'm fucking driven I guess or whatever people call it in society right like I'm never happy yeah Uh, so like I'm always going Um, and like you said like do you want I don't know if it's a healthy thing to be like I don't know how to make, say this without sounding like an idiot, but like, like to wake up every morning and be so freaking excited to see your daughters is almost yeah. like backwards. Like that's that's right. a good thing that you should obviously love, 
but you shouldn't have to be in the mindset like this is the last time I'm hugging my daughter. Like that's wrong. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's not good either. <laughs> yeah. And so like and then you like can't, you can't live like that. Yeah, and like part of this Instagram freaking Twitter shit life coach world that we're in is everyone's like talking like that too. I'm like, ah, that's not the life I want to live either. Like I don't want to take things for granted either, and I don't want to like, you know, be like pri- too privileged or entitled, but like. I don't want to hug my mom every time. He's like, this is the last time. You yeah. know, like that's yeah. not a good mindset to live in either. Cause then that's really, or, or this is your last Monday, work your tail off or live workout. Like it's your last workout. And like, I don't know about all that. Either. Yeah. Like that doesn't seem like a, a, a neutral, healthy mindset. Yeah. Actually to, to bring up, um, uh, someone we have in common, uh, Derek McCormick and yeah. the work that he's doing on helping people f- have a m- healthier view of of death of mortality whatever and and just being able to talk about it period being able to talk about you know close scrapes and then and the people that we lose and what we want to leave behind and what you know h- how even just down to like you know whether whether you want to be buried or when you want to dropped at sea or cremated or you, you lie in a basket in a field somewhere and you know decompose yeah. like uh, people have a hard time talking about that stuff and uh it's it's because it's scary and because it makes people uncomfortable yeah it's not fun you know i, I mean, what i would say what's interesting is um every year when i come to the fit expo derek makes it a point to see me mm-hmm. we met a few years ago at barbell brigade and he's just one of the kindest people i think that you could meet yeah and um, I was trying to get to the Barbell Brigade booth, but I ran in the bar outside and uh, I had just found out that Kobe passed away. Uh. And I told Bart and then Bart was just like, what? And then, I mean, you kind of just, you just naturally are gonna talk about that. And Bart and I probably spoke for 30 minutes about it. And then I was like, oh man, Derek's waiting on me. So I, I talked to Derek for probably 30 or 40 minutes, um, just checking in on me, how am I doing? Uh, my dad has early onset um, Alzheimer's is pretty advanced and, and he knows that. And, and again, he's very comfortable having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been through so much. Um, I agree with you. It's awesome what he's, he's able to, to have the emotional fortitude to, to try to help others. But we, we Derek and I sit there and talk like about this subject <laughs> and then literally, literally the next day I'm in the hospital. <laughs> I mean, like, I, you just, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's, it's incredible. No, incredible. No. And, you know, it's it probably even crazier that you're, I mean, it's not like you're unfamiliar with physiology, right? Right. I mean, right. It, it, you, yeah. I mean, you know, the doctors, well, you, you know, you're in the ER, you, you don't really get to know the people. When you're in the ICU, you do. Like, mm-hmm. You get to know your nurses, your doctors, because oh, yeah, yeah. it's the same people every day. Yeah. And so, you know, before long, they start asking me, what do you do? And, and, you know, I get into it a little bit. And it's like, well, you know, I did two years of grad school. You know, I did a whole semester on the heart. You know, it's just the application is for physiology, exercise side, not medical side. But mm-hmm. I understand it. Yeah, you yeah. know, I know it. <laughs> um, but again, I never, ever would have thought something something like this would have happened. Just wouldn't have thought it. Well, not to to kill this subject or anything, but um, what is going on with you now? What what, what you got going? I know Luol uh, retired. So, what are you up to? Yeah, so uh, Luol had some some offers. He didn't love them. Um, he he's played sixteen years, so he's like, if I'm going to play, it's going to be the right situation. And he just didn't feel like it happened. And he's done so much off the court 
I think he was ready to retire. Yeah. And when you think about someone being 34 and you've been playing at a very high level of basketball since you were 14, I mean, his high school, uh, Blair Academy, had Charlie Villanueva, who played the NBA for a long time, Royal Ivy, who played in the NBA and is a coach in the NBA now, uh, and then Luol, who was the second-ranked high school player uh, in the country behind LeBron. So those three guys were on the same team. So they were in the top 10, you know, high schools. Like, I mean, I'm saying, like, since the time he was 14 to 34, for 20 years, he's been doing something at elite level. So he was ready to retire. And now he's a global ambassador for the Basketball Africa League, ball, that the NBA and FIBA are kind of uh, co-getting behind to make happen. And he's starting South Sudan uh, basketball in South Sudan, like, to qualify for the Olympics, like a national Mm -hmm. team. Uh, so I'm going to help with some of the South Sudanese stuff. Uh, we'll continue to do the camps that Luol does. I'll be able to help with the training camps for this national team, doing strength conditioning. Uh, Luol and I have said for years we want to do a gym somewhere warmer than here in yeah. Chicago. <laughs> um, and that's still something we very much want to do. But since he transitioned so quickly from you know, retirement to basically two full-time kind of positions in Africa. He's been in Africa, I want to say, I don't know, maybe eight weeks out of the last 12 or something. Wow. Um, so, you know, and it, it's he's so passionate about it. It's amazing. But um, I think the gym stuff will hopefully sort out this year, over the summer when we start getting into camps and we have, we have some time to sit down and talk about it. Uh, but that's kind of it. I mean, until then, you know, I'm kind of in a holding pattern. Uh, Luol is like my brother. We want to continue to work together. Um, that's not the question at all. And so it's just uh, between his travel and it, I mean, my health stuff grounded me too. Right. You know, um, I was about to get back into that routine of flying and stuff. And um, after Christmas and I just said after my son was born and uh, I just can't do it till probably April now. So, um, but we'll figure it out this summer. I'm still lifting weights, trying to get strong, working out with Silent Mike's buddy, Tom Callis, who Silent Mike has coached to multiple world records. What a maniac. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to, you know, get strong, lifting with him and just enjoy, enjoy it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That is um, grounds conversations uh, and mindset. Um, do you, what did happen? It happened four weeks ago or ish, four, th- five weeks ago. When you, you were in the hospital? Uh, well, Fit Expo. So, what was, that? what was that? The 20. Yeah, five or six weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been in your mind almost every day since, or are you a little bit back into life? Um, so this is pretty extreme. I still had, yeah. I mean, I still had pain for like probably a month after. And so that was in my mind a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is this ever uh, like, going to go this, away? Is it coming back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, is it coming back? Because that's how it started. So I'm like, well, until the pain's gone, I'm not going to be super happy with, you know, my health. Mm. But they said, is the inflammation, go- I mean, I'm on medication for at least a couple months. So they said, until the inflammation completely goes down, you might have some pain. And then when I started working out, like, it was really in my mind because, you know, anytime you start working out again, um, your heart rate, like, over responds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like you do anything and your heart rate just <laughs> through yeah, the yeah. roof. Deconditioned <laughs> really quickly, yeah. So I'm like, okay, is this a, is this a symptom, you know, of like my heart can't work properly again? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I'm to the point now, I think, where I don't think about it nearly as much. But it's still across my mind. 
do you have an Apple Watch that is monitoring your heart? I don't. I actually, I've, I'm not, not a watch guy at all. Um, but I thought about getting it just for the peace of mind side, uh, you know, with the EKG functions it has. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like Mike was saying, like, hopefully, you know, you get into a place where you don't live like that. Yeah. You just kind of get back to normal. Yeah. I didn't turn the phone off. <laughs> I still have a house phone. I don't know why. I think it's because it's bundled with my cable. Uh, but it only rang once, which means it was a robocall of some kind. Oh, it's election nice. day. That might, that, yeah, that might have something to do on. with it. Yeah. Things are going down. Yeah, yeah. Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. <sighs> exactly. So uh, where can people find you? Uh, Jacob.w.ross on Instagram. Um, if you care about trucks, I have a truck page. It's he, Texas. You sure do. <laughs> what, texas, which i think is cool texas um, dot thunder or just texas thunder no just texas dot thunder you know all these jack wagons got all these good instagram names like back in 2012 when it dropped and they're just holding on to them like you google texas thunder and it's like one follower and no pictures you know yeah. some jerks waiting for it to be paid 500 bucks for it or something yeah. not happening buddy <laughs> <laughs> uh tom has a big truck too yeah he did. He did. He actually. Uh, he actually just sold it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did. He actually just sold. What it. a loser. He got so many kids. He had to get a a, a bus or something, a minivan. Basically. Yeah. No, they've got one of those uh, those Yukon XLs. Oh okay. yeah. Like the big the big version of it. That's funny. But yeah. That's I mean, great. he's with his twins and his older daughter. I mean, goodness gracious, he's got a crew. That's amazing. All right, well, let's close this one out, and then we'll just keep talking afterwards, and people don't yeah. get to hear that part. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, appreciate you for listening. Be sure to give this thing a rating and review. We're dropping new episodes every Wednesday. I'm Silent Mike, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, wherever. I am at DJ McDay on all the social medias. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. We are 50% facts, 4% is a word, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Auspicious <laughs> yawn there. I'm dying. I don't know why I'm so tired.